Now turn with me today in your Bible to the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to read from the last chapter. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. And as you have probably by now received the bulletin, and if you look at the back of the bulletin, I've given you a thought for the month, and there's five <coughs> thoughts there about things that were opened in this chapter. And of course, uh, Easter is a time, uh, if you think about um, Easter eggs for you uh, young people and boys and girls, uh, no doubt you've already opened some, and no doubt today you'll open some more, and maybe tomorrow and the next day, depending on the many you get. Um, I just want you to think about the word opening. And there's five things opened in Luke Chapter 24, there's the opening of the sepulchre, uh, there is to these individuals uh, the opening of the scriptures, uh, then also there's the opening of their sensibility, uh, that's their understanding, there's the opening of their sight, uh, and then lastly there's the opening of the sky. For it says in the Bible in verse 51 that it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Now there's just a little thought for you uh, young people. And I trust the Lord will bless that to you. Now we're going to read just a portion of this chapter. I would love to have had time to read it all, but I'm not for there's 53 verses in it. Uh, so we're just going to read a portion. And we're reading today from Luke chapter 24 Verse 13. Luke 24, verse 13. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass... While they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, Answering said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. 
Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre. When they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre, and found it even so as the woman had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went. And he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it, and break, and gave to them. And their eyes were opened. And they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose up the same hour, and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven gathered together, and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way, and I was no one of them in the breaking of bread. Amen. We'll end the reading there at verse 35. And we pray God will stamp with his own approval and blessing these words of Holy Scripture. Now my text this morning is taken from Luke chapter 24. And I want us to think especially of the verses 13 through to 15. And my theme this Easter Sunday is journeying from despair to delight. This incident recorded in Luke 24 is one of the many wonderful stories in the Bible that's found in connection with the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here are two of Christ's disciples. Some commentators believe a man and his wife. And they're filled with great sadness. They're making their way back from Jerusalem. They're travelling to the town or village of Emmaus, some seven miles from Jerusalem. And with their own eyes they've seen the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. They watched in horror as his life's blood has uh, ebbed away. They saw his agony, his woe, his pain that was no doubt evident in his face as he suffered upon the tree. They even saw the soldiers plunge the spear into his side. They heard his triumphant shout, it is finished. They understood and realized that Christ was truly dead. They have observed his lifeless body taken down from the tree and carried away for burial to the new tomb of Joseph of Arimathea in a nearby garden. Now all of these things that have happened to Christ, his arrest, his persecution, his unjust trial, his horrible death, these had all been prophesied about again and again, not only in the scriptures, but by the Saviour himself. He spoke many times of these events. 
Yet none of his disciples or any of his followers could really appreciate them at that time. They didn't understand that Christ was speaking of his own death and resurrection. So, so when Christ died, these two individuals, having witnessed his death and his body being taken from the uh, tree, their whole faith collapsed. They were filled with utter despair. Their, 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 their hearts and minds were, 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 were felt as if the hope that they had had departed from their very soul. So here they are, they're leaving Jerusalem. Can you get the picture? Seven miles toward home, and this journey's full of sadness. It's a long journey back to the place where they lived. And they're probably thinking to themselves, well, well what on earth is going to happen now? You could even think of, well, well fancy us believing that. All our dreams and our aspirations, they've really come to nothing. You see, I believe these two disciples, they were dejected. Their, their mind is full of horrible news. Probably walking a bit slower. Maybe about two miles an hour. They're, 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 they, 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 they feel crushed in their heart. And here they are as they're trudging along. They're joined by a stranger. Maybe he has come up behind them. And now he's come beside them. And they of course don't recognise him. And, and, and he begins to speak to them. Now straight away I want you to notice that he asks them. We could say, well, well, a nosy question. But to these, it was a very dumb question. Because he, he said in verse 17, What manner of communications are these that you have one to another as ye walk and are sad? In other words, why are you looking so sad? Notice the answer of Cleophas. The wife if it was his wife, and I believe it was, doesn't actually speak. And um, he says in verse 18, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and has not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? What's he saying? He's saying to the stranger, Listen, mate, where have you been the last couple of days? How could you be a stranger in Jerusalem and not know what was happening there? Do you not know the whole city's been in uproar? Do you not know what has happened to Jesus Christ of Nazareth? And he asked them, what things? Isn't that interesting? Isn't that how the Saviour operates? He begins to question them in such a way that he's drawing out for them to reveal to him the true state of their hearts. What they felt about this situation and that situation. All was revealed in the conversation. Everything was open. It was laid bare to the stranger. And then to their utter amazement. What does the stranger do? <coughs> he rebukes them. Look at verse 25. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. <clears throat> he rebukes their thoughts. He rebukes their attitude. He's rebuking their behavior. 
and manner even at this time. See, the Bible tells us that the stranger here began at the first book of Moses, the book of Genesis, and then took him through all the prophets, major and minor, and in the writings or in the Psalms, and he spoke to them the things concerning himself. In other words, the stranger took them through the Old Testament and he showed them the true message of God in the Bible. And as he went through the Old Testament scriptures, then they began to appreciate that he was literally implying that he was the one who had died on the cross and had risen again from the dead. Now, when that conversation was over, they were already in the mouth of a mess. Because the day was far spent, which means there was very little hours or minutes of daylight left to continue a journey, they, they urged him and said, come and abide with us. And the Bible tells us here, uh, he, he made as if he would have gone a little further. But it says they constrained him and said, abide with us for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And of course, what happened was a, a most unforgettable experience for these two people. Because by the end of that time, in their home, their spirits were lifted, their faith was strengthened, their soul was blessed, uh, their, their mind and mouth was set in fire, uh, and they raced back to Jerusalem to tell the disciples the news, the Lord is risen indeed. The Lord is risen indeed. Here's a journey. And it began, we could really say, in despair. And how did it end? It ended in delight. And I want to just ask the question this morning. Can Jesus Christ really cure the blues? I'm talking about Linfield Football Club now. Thinking about a state of mind. A state where you're full of sadness because of some situation or circumstance. Can, can, can he cure you from the depths of depression and bring you out of despair into delight? Can he turn sadness to joy? And the glorious message of the Bible is this. Yes, he can. And we see it here in this wonderful chapter. Notice a couple of things just in passing. The companion they encountered. Look with me at verse at 15, and it came to pass that while they reasoned, or they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. You should underline that, uh, underline that in your Bible. Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Now, now, now I want you to think this morning of being on a journey. That they're, they're going from Jerusalem down to Emmaus. Emmaus is seven miles away. I, I know the Bible tells us here about three score furlongs. But, but children understand that that's old uh, measurement. But it is about seven miles. And here's this one to them who was a stranger. And he took the initiative. And he came to where they were. And it says Jesus himself drew near and went with them and when he drew near glory to God all was changed their souls were blessed their steps were quickened their hearts were warmed their faces were enlightened think of that full of sadness and despair depressed 
And now it's changed. Isn't it wonderful to be able to say that you're walking along life's pathway and despite what you face and encounter, you can have the companionship and the fellowship with the risen Christ. And you know, folks, that's the secret of life. Whether you're young or whether you're old, that's the secret of life. The hymn writer said, I must have the Saviour with me. And here's a question of questions for all of us in the pathway of life. Knowing, of course, that the sands of time are eddying away for all of us. Knowing that life is slowly passing us back. Sooner or later we'll, we, 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 we'll change. And sooner or later we'll meet death. And here's the question. Let me ask you. Have you the Saviour with you? Can you look back on your life's journey? And say yes there was a time when I met with him. When Jesus himself took the initiative and drew near to me. And my whole outlook changed. You see, the presence of Christ is real. You can walk and talk with him. You can know his companionship. You, you, you can have fellowship with him. Could I just ask again very lovingly, does it explain your life at this moment? Surely we could say, it's a dreadful thing to live without Jesus Christ. Surely that's a most perilous thing. Imagine travelling alone. Have you ever gone on a short or a long journey where you've travelled alone and you've had no companionship and no fellowship with anyone? That's a horrible experience in life. But to spiritually travel alone through this world and to face all that we face, life's problems and pressures, Without him. And then as we come to the end. To die alone. Without him. Die in our sins. Remember he said. If you die in your sins three times. John chapter 8 verse 22 to 24. If you die in your sins. Where I am there you cannot be. And if you die in your sins. Without him. You have no hope for eternity. Your sins are unforgiven. You have no peace. And sadly you'll end up in this awful place that the Bible calls hell. And yet how many of our young people, how many of men and women, well educated men and educated women, and they go through life without him. And of course Mark 8.36 says, What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? And how many would rather be popular and have all the possessions of the world, and have the pleasures of the world, and maybe even power in their hands. And yet, while they have these things, they cannot bear testimony that the Lord is with them. Think again of these words. Jesus himself drew near and went with them. That's the companion that they encountered. Notice, secondly, the conversation that they enjoyed. In verse 17, as I've said, you should underline these words again. He said unto them, What manner of conversations are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? He then said again in verse 19, What things? And then he waited and listened. And then look at 25. 
right through to verse 27. That's another part of the conversation. Let, let's just try and get the picture now as we, we, we think about it. Here's this stranger, and he's moving behind them for a little time. They're conscious that there's somebody coming behind them. And all of a sudden, he's beside them. And he asked them a question. Why are you so sad? And, 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 and what manner of communications are these that you have one to another? <coughs> and here's the response of Cleopas. In a sense, we could say Cleopas is sort of being rude. He says, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and has not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? As I've said in the introduction, where have you been the last couple of days? Are you the only one that doesn't know what happened in Jerusalem? Don't you know the city's in uproar? And then he, he, he's teasing it out a little further. What does he ask? What things? What's he really saying? He's saying, tell me what's wrong. Tell me why you're so downcast and despairing. Tell me why you're so angry. Tell me why you're so upset. And out it comes. Tumbling out of the mouth of Cleophas, as we said, the wife doesn't speak. Right from verse 18, right down to verse 24. Out it comes, bit by bit. And you know what the conversation reveals? It reveals the sadness of their heart. Why are they sad? And you've got the word sad in verse 17. Here's the answer. Their whole faith has been shaken by the events that have happened in Jerusalem. They had believed that the one who was riding on a donkey entering Jerusalem many, many days ago, that he would have been the one who had redeemed Israel. In fact, they said that there in verse 21. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And then it didn't materialize. Instead, he was crucified, put to death. And then Cleophas asked, and besides, this is now the third day. And certain women amongst us, they claimed to have seen him risen. But we didn't see him. And the disciples who went to the sepulcher found it empty, but they didn't see him. Isn't it true today that all over the world, certain circumstances have arisen, certain situations have unfolded in people's lives, and so often in the Christian community, our faith has been shattered. Isn't there a feeling among some today that Bible-believing Christianity has failed? I don't believe it has. But some of that feeling. It's looked upon the emptiness of churches. Add into the mix the days of apostasy and religious decline of which we live. Add into the mix that leaders have let us down. And it's easy to see how one's faith can be undermined in that context and in that situation. Give what's happening in the Islamic world and the murder of 147 people who have been Christianized in the place called Garissa in the land of Kenya. You think of the shattered hope. You think of the, the, the love that they've had that, that, that has been battered. 
And you could understand when you get this umbrella term, the word sad. Why are they sad? Because their whole faith has been shaken. And add into that, notice not only the sadness of their hearts, but, but notice the slowness of their hearts. Didn't Jesus say, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken? He, he's dealing with their sadness in the conversation. He's also dealing with the slowness of their heart and mind. Because what, what he does amazingly is, he continues the conversation. And as he speaks to them, having asked them a couple of questions, why are you so sad? What things? What does he direct them to? Now, now listen to me carefully. He points them to the scriptures. Isn't that wonderful? You see, that's what he does when he draws alongside. You see, for many today, even in the church, the Bible's inexplicable. Can't understand it. To them, Christians and the church are a puzzle. God seems far away. What's happening in the world that seems to be falling apart? And you see, at this time, we, we have to say the, the disciples here, these two, husband and wife, they couldn't understand at that point the meaning of the cross work of Christ. They couldn't understand the outpouring of blood. They couldn't understand the stone rolled away from the tomb. They didn't understand and know that this was the greatest miracle that the world has ever seen. And the Lord Jesus comes because their hearts are sad and because they're slow uh, to, to understand and, and grasp the scriptures. And what does he do? He opens up to them the scriptures. And what's the key? What's the key to the scriptures, young people? Well, I point you to these words. The things concerning himself. And beginning at Moses, that's the prophets, or the, the five, first five books of the Bible, and all the prophets... He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I can just see him turning to Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 for example. That's the key to unlock the gospel message. The seed of the woman will come glory to God and, and crush the head of the serpent. I could see him taking him to Genesis 22. Isaac asking the question, Daddy where's the lamb? And Abraham saying prophetically, the Lord will provide himself a lamb. Underline the word himself. Come to Exodus 12 and the lamb's blood being applied to the doorposts. And then we'll come to Psalm 2, which is Messianic, Psalm 22, Psalm 69, Psalm 110. We'll come into Isaiah 7 and 14. Behold, a virgin shall, shall be with child. Uh, and, and Isaiah 9 and 6 and his name shall be called and you've got 5 or 6 things there Isaiah 53 wounded for our transgressions that's what he did to these disciples to deal with their sadness and to deal with their slowness he pointed them to the scriptures and he says the key is, is me and do you know glory to God folks that's what he still does today are you sad in church this morning are you facing a particular set of difficult circumstances? Are you facing a, a worrying situation? Is the Bible a closed book to you? And you've lost your appetite for it? And you feel when you read it, it's dull and dry and you get so little out of it. I want to remind you, when Jesus comes and draws near, one of the things that he does, the primary things that he does, he converses with us out of the book. And he illuminates the sacred page to us. 
and he appoints us to himself. And oh, that we could see Christ again in the scriptures. He's the key. And if you have the key, then you can unlock the door of the sacred text. And when you begin to unlock the door, it will affect you inwardly. It will affect you mentally. It will affect you emotionally. It will affect you joyfully. The, 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 the Spirit of Christ will open up the book to you. Isn't it wonderful that the Lord Jesus confronted these two on the road to Emmaus to deal with their sadness and slowness? He brought them to the Scriptures. He showed them the prophetic truth. He showed them a, a, an historic truth. He, he said, Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? See, he's addressing the very event that has upset them. The very event that has caused them to be sad. The very event that they've been speaking about. He's saying to them, look folks, I'm the historic fulfillment of what the Bible said would happen. The prophecy became history. The history was prophetic. Do you see that? These disciples were slow to accept what the Bible teaches. Oh, they wanted the predictions about his glory. But what about the predictions about his suffering? They had overlooked that. They, they were slow to accept that. And what did it say by way of testimony? Look at verse 32. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? The opening of the sepulchre, glory to God, is the greatest miracle that we could ever grasp. And yet when he opened the sepulchre, he came to his sad disciples and he opened the scriptures. And then he opened their understanding. And he opened their sight before he opened heaven for them. The gladness was changed. Or the sadness was changed to gladness. They had spiritual heartburn. And that's what happens when he draws alongside and converses with us. <coughs> Notice finally, <coughs> the communion they experienced. See, they're, they're now in the age of Emmaus. It's evening. He indicated that he would go further, but the Bible says they constrained him to abide. They were really saying, look, it, it's too late for travelling anymore. Remember, there's no motor cars, boys and girls. There's no motorbikes. They haven't even got a pushback. There's no buses um, and there's no street lamps between village and village. So think of a, a seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were really saying, look, you've nowhere to go in the few minutes of daylight that's left. I thought to myself earlier in the week, imagine if they hadn't have been hospitable. Imagine if the wife had come to Cleophas and said, look, don't you be inviting him in. For he talks far too much. We're never getting a word in. But she didn't. They invited him in for supper. And the supper time was just an ordinary meal of bread. And well, it just mentions bread here. I, I don't know what else was on the table. Maybe water or whatever they, they, they had. And they sat at the table. And here's the communion they experienced. Three things happened as we finish. He satisfied their hearts. And I've already alluded to it. It says, if you look at verse 34, did not our heart burn within us? It wasn't only Cleophas that was excited, but it was his wife as well. He satisfied their hearts by his word. 
Let me just tell you a little story very quickly. John Wesley and his conversion. John Wesley used to visit jails and prisons around Oxford out of compassion for the people. He tried to preach to them, but, but he had no power to preach and he didn't see anything happening. He left Britain and came to the United States of America. He preached in the state of Georgia, uh, but he had no message and he had no real power for the people. He was disillusioned. He, he returned to Britain by ship. There was a great storm on that ship. There were some Moravian Christians and he, he looked upon them and he said, but these Christians are so alive to God and Christ. How can they be alive? How, how can they be so happy and to look death in the face and not be afraid and not be concerned? So back in the UK, he sought out a Moravian brother in the Lord. And he, he said, look, I, I know what it means intellectually to be justified by faith. I believe that. But experimentally, it means nothing to me. And then you know what happened on the 24th of May and the Aldergate experience a simple believer a layman was uh, reading from uh, aloud uh, from the preface to martin luther's commentary on the book of romans and as he listened this is what wesley said and i i quote this for this reason my heart was strangely warmed and you see that's what he does when he comes to where we are and enters into a conversation with us and tells us about himself. He brings us into a state of communion. And one of the things that he does is he satisfies our hearts. Can you say, my heart burns within me, that Jesus satisfies my heart? I believe also he sanctified their home. He sat at their table. He took bread. He blessed it. He broke it. He gave it to them. Their home became a sanctuary. That, that simple meal, in a sense, became a sacrament. And the Bible says the minute he did that, they knew him. It says in verse 31, and their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. He just vanished. They didn't go to the door and wave him goodbye. They, they didn't see his form going up the road. He just vanished out of their sight. Of course, we believe in the resurrection of the body from the dead. And because Jesus lives and has a resurrection body, that guarantees our resurrection as well. He sanctified their home. Ah, and one final thing, he sealed their happiness. Well, what, what happened as we finish the story? Look at verse 33. They rose up the same hour. We don't know what time it was. We know earlier on it was the evening. So it was now dark in Emmaus. And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem. That is, they went back the seven miles and found the eleven gathered together. Now they were in a room. And them that were with them saying, The Lord has risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in the breaking of bread. He sealed their happiness because not only had they seen him, but they could go and speak of him. The Lord is risen indeed. And I would just encourage you to go out and testify this Easter Sunday. That glorious message. The Lord is risen indeed. Tonight we'll have some more thoughts on the resurrection. We'll deal with some of the facts surrounding the resurrection. And I trust and pray the Lord will bless these few thoughts to your hearts today.